Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner. I'm Karen Sharp Price. Today, we're going to talk to Giselle Jackman from Trinity Life Solutions. Hi, Giselle. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you doing, Karen? Great. Thank you for for being on Sharp HR Career Corner. As you know, I really like to listen to and, and learn more about people's career journeys because it's never a straight line. So I like to start back, even though, you know, for me, it's, it's been a number of years and I won't count how many um, when I went to, went to school, but um, I'd like to start back to like where you're at, what were you thinking at the time? So back when you graduated, um, you got a BA in psychology. What were you, what were you thinking about doing with that degree when you, when you graduated with that? Yeah, so it's funny to time warp and, and have the um, have the reflection and the and wisdom that comes with knowing now what I didn't know then, right? <laughs> yep. So um, I went to Fredonia State University, a state college. I got to take classes as part of my AP process to graduate early. So I was going to school uh, at the college half of my senior year. And so it was a segue in there. And I got my psychology degree because at the time I was graduating, I'm going to date myself. The big movie was Silence of the Lambs with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. And Uh I wanted to be Jodie Foster. I wanted to be Clarice, the woman who would help to protect people and solve crimes. And I thought in my infinite wisdom that I needed a psychology degree to do that. I didn't have a guidance counselor who thought that I could do anything really other than be a nurse or a mom. And those were literally the two things that were suggested to me when I was looking to take classes at the the university. So he was exactly what I didn't want to be in a guidance counselor. And I thought if if it failed, if I, if I couldn't be Jodie Foster, at least with a psychology degree, I could maybe be a guidance counselor and help people. So that was the plan. I had a fabulous uh, advisor at Fredonia who advised me as a high school student to take classes that I enjoyed, not just the core classes for my psychology degree. So I actually ended up with a psych degree, a BA in psychology and a BA in English education. Oh, wow. So I would offer that as something to people as you balance what you love in your pursuit of education, you could sometimes come out with two for one. <laughs> well, and what's great about that is, is that you are taking classes that you really enjoy and you never know what path that can lead you to if you start taking, because then you start meeting professors, you start hearing about opportunities and it takes you in a different path. So totally, and it totally with that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I, and I, it did. Yeah. You know, I have a son who's starting college in the fall and it's that balance of not knowing what you want to do, having an idea what you want to do, and then also thinking about all the other things that are out there and trying to tap into some of the things that you're interested in just to see. I mean, just to see, you never know where it's going to take you. So 
Totally yeah. agree with that. So a couple of years later, you decided to go back and get your master's in counseling, education, school counseling, and guidance services. Where did that come from? Where did that interest in helping kids in school come from? So that separate English degree that I got led me to a summer job in between in between my coursework during the four years that I was going to school there. And I started to work for one of the trio programs called Upward Bound, and I was teaching. Uh, I was teaching first-generation non-English speaking students English, and I was not supposed to do it traditionally. So I really was given this fantastic mentor who said, do whatever it takes to keep kids involved and help them to see that there's a career path for them. And I talked about in in that teaching how I had taken those extra classes, and that's what allowed me to be there with them. And that actually my heart was full when I was working with them, fuller than when I was taking courses to become what I thought was going to be Jodie Foster, which turned out to be a career path of, of criminal psychology and, and profiling and all the things that I realized that that was going to mean that I was actually looking for the bad in everyone. And I didn't want to be doing that. Um. So I had a turn because I was taking the opportunities that presented themselves exactly as you said, because a professor knew me from English classes and said, hey, we need an English tutor. Would you consider working in the summer? It wasn't a lot of money, but it was going to be on my resume. So I was always about what are the tools that I can put in the toolbox to get me to the job that I want. Mm -hmm. And I would always take whatever opportunities were there. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so at this point, and that, there's only a few years in there that you really, you started with a core of psychology. You still, mm-hmm. you're still using it when you were in at counseling, education, and school counseling. I mean, yes, that's, that's it. But now you're focusing more on kids than mysteries and, and terrible, right. uh, <laughs> terrible situations. <laughs> Police um, situations. Yeah. 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 But then, okay. So then fast forward a little bit. Most recently, you went back to get a Master of Divinity degree. And so in the time between St. Bonaventure's for your master's in school counseling and yep. now, what changed? Where where did that for it sounds like there was a fork in the road and, and you started to move in a different direction? So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how important lived experience or life experience is in informing my path, which sort of is a spiral that went up and down and meandering rather than the straight line that I thought from point A to point B, like go to school, get a job. That's what I always heard. And it was never that. And I did go to school. I did get a job. I, I ended up having to have multiple jobs while I was working because I was from a poor family and I needed to pay for college and Even though you get student loans, kind of like there's always just that much more that you need. And so, uh, you know, books and things like that get that money goes for living instead. And so it just ends up being crazy. So my lived experience from the Bonaventure time is actually informed just before Bonaventure. I uh, spent the first two years out of my Fredonia undergraduate in counseling. Um, I was counseling teenagers in the state of Virginia in a chemically addicted residential facility. So this would be kids who needed inpatient drug rehab. And they were all teenagers. And I you know, I, I got there because I followed the passion to teach. I was pursuing an opportunity to teach and there were, and it was marrying with the psychology degree because I was going to be able to do emotional counseling with them. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is perfect. I get to use both of my degrees. And it moved me away from my home, which I had been, you know, living in forever. And of course, that's like your your win achievement moment. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I moved to Virginia and I was doing that. And, and what happened was tragic. Honestly, there was an incident that I saw that was unethical and I reported it according to the way I had been taught to do it. And I had a very negative experience with that, with the administration. And I'm sad to tell you that that organization is closed down and it's my fault in the sense that I exposed this whole huge mess of unethical conduct that was going on. And I did so because it was the right thing to do, but there's no, they, they, they teach you about ethics in school, but they don't actually teach you about what it means when your personal integrity is on the line. Mm. And so I, my experience during that process was that I was placed under a gag restriction, a gag order. I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone other than the lawyers about what I had seen or what I thought. And I was supposed to still work there with these colleagues who I wasn't allowed to talk to, but they were allowed to talk about everything that they wanted to talk about. So I quit the job and I came home and went to Bonaventure to get the counseling education master's degree because my thought was I must have done something wrong. I don't know enough. I need a higher level skill set. So I went back and got my master's in counseling education so that I could work in agencies and schools and and have a confidence in myself that I knew how to do whatever was going to come up in these difficult situations. And that led me to a job where I was writing um, grants and helping kids from zero to 21. I ended up working in county government for about four years and, and in Bonaventure area in Allegheny County. Uh, well, I was, I was working in Cattaraugus County, but I was living in Allegheny and going to Bonaventure to get that degree. And what happened is I realized that I was doing ministry all this time, church ministry, youth ministry. I was working with teenagers for a number of reasons, uh, the youth ministry opportunities in my church walk were canceled. And oh. all of a sudden, my call was right in my face. And it was like, I'm a teacher, I'm a healer, I'm a person who is really doing the work of a priest, according to the understanding that I had. And so I talked to my priest about it, we went through the whole process, and I ended up being assigned to go to a seminary at Church Divinity School of the Pacific, CDSP at Berkeley. Oh, which wow. is where I am now seeking my um, seeking my divinity degree oh, in order to be ordained as a priest. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so you can see like the web that we read, right? It, but, it but they're really all always been there. But they're mm-hmm. all, really they're all connected. Huh. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Now, how long is that process? In the church, uh, the Episcopal church is what I'm seeking ordination and I'm a cradle Episcopalian, meaning I was born and my family was already engaged in the Episcopal church. And I've, go on my own faith journey that way. Everybody's journey takes a little longer. There is a process that can take anywhere from five years to 10 years. And with COVID, mine is going to take probably 10 years because um, there's a requirement that you live in community uh, like the monks did. And I have a son that's also getting ready to go to college. And it just would not have been fair to ask him to pause his life and move all the way to the West Coast so that I can pursue my goals, right? Like it's his turn. So I was put on pause and then COVID hit. So I joke that, you know, you, me and God are like this. We asked me to pause and the whole world stopped. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
Yeah, and I've been on pause since the start of COVID, and uh, I was at the place where I was in field placement. So kind of like if you're a student teacher, you go and teach in um, schools and classrooms. Mm-hmm. I was at that part of my education for my uh, ordination process. I have about a year and a half to go, and I probably won't go back until my son graduates. Oh, wow. So that we can all be on the same page. And So know. do you have to go to the West Coast to do that? I have to go where my bishop tells me to go. Oh. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, that's I, exciting. I started, I started under a different bishop. I started my process under a different bishop. They change kind of like our elected officials do every couple of years. And my previous bishop had me going to a seminary in Denver, Colorado. Ooh. And then I had to go, you know, so I literally went West Coast jumping and carried two master's levels, full course loads for all whole months. I had more than 36 credit hours. It was kicking my butt. Oh my and that's gosh. What we said, probably need to press pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So, well, mm-hmm. so that's, that's very exciting. I mean, that's like the next step, the next level of where you've been aiming for. You're kind yeah. of, you have Helping been aiming people. there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All that's, while. that's, that's very cool. All right. So talking about, um, you know, having a pause, we're going to, we're going to take a short pause (laughs) and we're, we're going to play just a little game just to get to better know you. It's a round of fast questions and you just, you just, you know, whatever pops in your head, you, you answer. So it'll, it'll be uh, easy. Uh, So first of all, virtual or in-person networking? I love both for different reasons. Okay. Do you want to know that reason? Sure. Go ahead. I feel energy when I walk into a room and I love to meet people like that's really exciting and I don't feel that when I'm online necessarily. Some groups do it really well online but I am technologically behind because I'm of a certain age and I don't necessarily know what buttons to push or how what apps are available like my son. <laughs> They've grown up with everything. So sometimes online is fantastic. At my first seminary we did everything online and I loved it. At my second seminary we did some online and it was really painful because the university itself had the same problem. I had antiquated systems and ways of doing things, right? So, but I love them both and any way that you can get people to be connecting, I think it's wonderful, including just voice uh, podcast kind of things. Like it's huge. I listen to them all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Social media of choice. On Facebook, but again, my age puts me there. I like Instagram <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. I have tried LinkedIn, but it just doesn't make any sense to me, really. It, it doesn't really? seem to do what what people say it's supposed to exist to do. Mm-hmm. And yes, I had a MySpace account. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not go that way. <laughs> Favorite hobby? Dancing. Okay. What movie streaming platform do you like the most? I watch a lot of Netflix and Amazon Prime. Books or music? Oh, music is transcendent, so music every day. But I love books. <laughs> okay. Favorite place that you've traveled? Tajikistan, which is in Central Asia. Yeah. Wow, that sounds fun. It choice. Was amazing. <laughs> choice of beverage. Um, I tell people that I have an addiction to caffeine and coffee is my drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> Phone call or email? Phone call every day. Yeah. Favorite food? Uh, I would love to tell you mashed potatoes because it is, but it's not healthy for me and I don't eat them anymore. So now I don't know. I think maybe barbecue chicken. Favorite restaurant? Hmm. Hmm. 
I don't know that either. I don't think I have a favorite restaurant anymore. Okay. That that is the uh, top ten questions. So thank you for playing along. Okay. Um, <laughs> so fun. now now we're going to return back to our regular questions. And what I find interesting is that you are like me in the way that you like to do more than one thing at once. Like you, you it sounds like, and, it, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But you you like to be doing or maybe have your hands in more than one pot at one time because of your interest, because of your passions, because of what you're inspired to do. So what I want to start out with is you're the owner of Faith Works. Can you tell us what is that and and what do you do? So Faith Works was my first effort to become a person who was um, trying to, I was my first entrepreneurial experience before I knew what the word entrepreneurial meant. Yeah. When I was in, uh, in the time when I was working as a grant writer, which was after I had worked in Cattaraugus County. So after Bonaventure, before CBSP, I worked in drug and alcohol prevention programming. And what that was, was I was the executive director of a nonprofit organization responsible for the relationships to the community, as well as the funding for all programming that was addressing the prevention of the onset of the disease of addiction. And so what happened is that in doing that, I found that lots of places that we interfaced with, places where there were community resources like AA or NA groups Mm -hmm. for sober living, they were often partnered with parishes, churches of all different kinds of denominations, faith communities. And those faith communities lacked resources to be able to offer more than just here's a table and some coffee where you guys can come and do what you do, whatever it is that you do, because we don't know, right? <laughs> and, and so I put together Faith Works as a way for people, for myself to be paid for helping um, organizations get themselves organized and fund some of the work they wanted to do. It is an acronym. It's what started my acronyms. This is the English degree coming in. It stands for Finding All Inspiration through him works. In other words, everything that I did was about my walk with God. And okay. every, I believe that everything came to me, all of my passions, all of my joys, all of my struggles came to me from God for some reason or some purpose. And I was going to use the my unique gift skill set and connections with people to try to answer whatever it was that I, that I could do to make the world better than what I had found. Oh, so still wow. trying to help, right? Yeah. Um, and FaithWorks was wonderful. I was able to learn what it was to have a DBA doing business as, which mm-hmm. is not the right entrepreneurial step for me, <laughs> as I learned along the way. But, you know, I failed my way through it, and I learned why that wasn't the best structure for me. So Okay. Now, does that still exist? The it does, and I actually am using it even today, which is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Yep. So, all right. So now there's a little bit of a change. So somewhere along the way, and you'll you'll tell us how you became licensed insurance broker, um, and you started Trinity Life Solutions. What yep. what made you go into this area of business? And I'm thinking that maybe faith, faith works, and maybe the church working with those groups kind of came out of that, but you can tell us. Um, and, and tell us, what does the business do? So FaithWorks is actually how I sustained myself when what happened to change my focus to 
launched Trinity Life Solutions um, occurred. And that was my grandmother, who was the person who raised me, um, had early onset dementia and Alzheimer's. And we did not know that, but we knew that she needed caregiving. And my mother worked full time and she was the only daughter my grandmother had. My grandmother was single at that time. She had been widowed. And my sister was working out of state. So the choice was either my mom was going to have to put my grandmother into a nursing home or someone was going to have to make a sacrifice. And I did that. I went home. I took care of my grandma as much as I could for as long as I could. And in that process, the disease progressed. And there came a time, as there always does, with uh, health issues where the decision to keep my grandmother safe meant she needed a different level of care. And and it was a nursing home level of care that she needed. Unfortunately, slash fortunately for me, what happened is my life experience had taught me that there was, I I did a lot of case management and there were rules and I knew there were rules and danger zones about putting someone in a nursing home. So like, like that you could lose your house, right? Like I knew stories that people could lose their house. So I wanted to make sure we didn't lose our family home. So I called the insurance company to make sure that my grandma going into the nursing home was not going to cost my mother her house. And I was told by that agent on the phone that it was medically necessary. Graham needed to go into the nursing home. She needed the level of care not to worry about it. But what happened is that person was giving me misinformation. And so my grandma hit the nursing home. The state pays for nursing home care, not the medical health insurance called Medicare. And Medicaid came to take the house to pay for the care that grandma was having. Oh, wow. And so I got a, I got very angry. I got a lawyer. Of course, when we're hurt and we're angry, <laughs> we want to make sure that we get back what we think has been taken from us. Yeah. And unfortunately, the system of justice works in, in the favor of all, like there's balance and justice, right? So yes, the finding was that I had received misinformation. Yes, the Medicaid um, organization was able to come to try to take the house. With the work of the lawyers, we were able to make it so that um, we did not lose the house. But what I was told was, I, you know, what do you want? What is the, there were no damages because they let us keep the house. So what was the outcome I was looking for? And unfortunately, I'm sad to say this, that my reaction was, I want to make sure this person can no longer do this to another person, right? So essentially, on, on one level, I was like, destroy this person, right? <laughs> sad to say. But, but truthfully, with my true motives, like, don't let this happen to anybody else, because we had the means to have a lawyer. What about the person who doesn't, right? Right, right. Um, and what I found out was that this person had no, there was nothing that I could do. That person was an employee of an insurance company. She did not have a license. She only told what she understood and they would, and the promise was they would train her better. And I had to deal with that, right? I had to get comfortable with the answers that were there because there was no way forward to, you know, you can't get blood from a stone. There was no way forward to, for that. Right. And the lawyer said to me, and this is how we get started. The lawyer said to me, if you really want to make a difference, because um, I said, I saw everyone who did insurance had to have a license. I don't understand. And they said, apparently not. If you want to make a difference, go get licensed and help the people avoid these pitfalls. Oh, wow. So that's what I did. I went and got <laughs> licensed as a broker. I educated myself. I, I failed my way through the system to learn all the different things that there were about how insurance worked and, and how people could have a job without a license when I was forced to get my license, right? And and I launched Trinity Life Solutions to be an option in the 
array of services that are that exist in the health insurance industry to be able to empower people to be informed when they're making the choice that they make. And you know, there's been no no holds barred since then. And FaithWorks still is being used because we um, we launched programs through that. Like I still grant write and launch programs, which are really ministry programs through mm-hmm. that business side that then are fed into um, Trinity Life Solutions and vice versa. So it ends up being really a, a very nice complimentary business piece. But I had to get real savvy about <laughs> what it means to be business. I'm way beyond doing business as we're in an LLC with Trinity Life Solutions. And what okay. we do, we make Medicare clear for people. Medicare is health insurance for the most vulnerable population in, in the American uh, society. So it's for people 65 and older or people who are disabled and have been receiving disability income for over uh, two years. When you have those sets of circumstances, the government pays for your health care through Medicare insurance. It's a red, white, and blue card that comes from the federal government that covers people 80% of the cost of their care. But here's where my job you know, begins. People don't understand that it doesn't cover them 100%, which means that they're on the hook for 20% of their care. And as a person who took care of someone who I love very much and and someone who's also been very sick in her life, Mm -hmm. I know that 20% of the cost of anything for your health and well-being can be way too much for someone who's not well to manage. So I need to get in front of that, uh, educate people. You're at risk if you only have Medicare. And what can I do to help fill that gap? And so that's what the whole rest of the brokerage does is we wrap people with services, understanding, education, so that they know what their choices are. We walk through difficult things because nobody has a crystal ball about when they're going to get sick or what's going to happen in life that compromises their health. And so we help them to understand, okay, how do we navigate these circumstances that are present in your life because you're not healthy, right? Mm -hmm. And we try to um, demystify the whole stigma that goes with being less than healthy, right? We have this this thing that happens that says if you can't go to work, if you're sick and you can't go to school or you can't go to work, then then you're not as valuable to society. Mm-hmm. And that's true whether you're a child, whether you're a disabled person or whether you're a senior person, but your voice and your agency is compromised differently by the system depending on where you are on that age spectrum. So, yeah. We help that way. <laughs> so, so um who is so your your client is anyone who is probably approaching 65 you'd probably like to get to them before they hit 65 because there's a process before isn't there something about 6 months before you have to notify them right. if if you're going to well in everybody w- would normally be going for it it just depends on when you're going to retire or when you want to start the process and so you have to let the government know that process is that right so there are rules around medicare that the federal government sets and they change every single year because the government votes every single year on the budget which which is what pays for the insurance to be available so every year the rules change and that's part of why people don't know how to make the decisions now people are living longer when medicare was put in place people died at 55 so they winked and nodded and said okay sure we'll cover everybody at 65 right they didn't expect us to live that long 
we also didn't have the technology that we have now. So people didn't have medicines then in 1940s, when, which they right. do now. So what happens is, yes, there is a process. You have to sign up for Medicare. The, the boomer generation and now the millennial generation, they're so big. There's a stat that I got to throw out here. 10,000 people every single day from now until 2030 will turn 65. 10,000 people a day. Wow. Now, that's a lot, right? Yeah. So here's the thing. Most people are working beyond 65 now, which was never expected. You weren't supposed to live that long, let alone be working, right? Right. So, so yes, when do I sign up for Medicare and how do I sign up for Medicare? Because you got to go through the right door in the government or you don't get what you need, right? Yeah, yeah. So we do want to target people who are turning 65 or anyone who's working with with a, a disability and receiving social security disability income, because there are involuntary things that happen and they will negatively affect you. In other words, you can be fined for not signing up when you're supposed to. You can have mm-hmm. a penalty assessed to you that can last your lifetime. Wow. You, you may have special enrollment periods because you're working that you still have to tell the government that you're working in order to access. So if you, you keep working, but you never tell them like by their form that yeah. you're still working, then you're subject to the to the penalty for not enrolling when you were supposed to. So there's lots of sticky wicket pieces that most people don't understand. And, and, and again, that lived experience, I always come from, I always use my mom. I say, you know, she gave me years of, of wisdom, years of therapy, and now years of stories too. <laughs> but she worked until she was 72. Oh and my it was, it was only until, and she's only recently retired about three years now, but it was only um, because her employer required her to investigate her Medicare enrollment her, them, her, by herself. The HR department did not have anyone there because you need a license, right? Mm-hmm. So here was my mom finally listening to me and saying, what do I do? What do I do? They told me I have to do this all the way up until 72 is she was way behind, way wow. behind what she should have had. And, and it happens a lot where people are married now with different ages, right? One, one spouse will be much older than the other, or both spouses will be working and, and one wants to retire and the other one doesn't want to stop doing what they love. So they're still working and they want to know what, what happens if I'm on my spouse's insurance? Is that okay? How yeah. do I cover that? So there's all kinds of unique situations. It really has to be an individual situation where we look piece by piece, step by step together. But here's the caveat. The government says, I cannot go. I am restricted from going face to face or reaching out to someone to entice them to come and find out how it works. They do that to protect seniors. Seniors often are approached by people Mm. who are kind and generous appearing, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing, and then they are exploited. So I can only do, I can only be present at certain places and the people who are interested have to approach me. Now that's different than the person who has no license. If I worked just for an insurance company, let's say like, United Healthcare, which is a national insurance company. They have commercial insurance for people who are working. They have Medicare Advantage plans. They have Medicare supplements. They have lots of choices, right? If I worked for them and I didn't have a license, I could be in the community and approach people, even though it's not allowed, because I don't know any better. 
but in the but in the federal government world, because I have a license, I'm supposed to know the rule that I'm not supposed to approach them. And I could lose my license if I did. Wow. Isn't, isn't that not fair? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> so, how, do, you know, how do, so how do people find you? So how, how does, if someone is listening and they're either, you know, getting up there 62, 63, 64, 65, um, how do they reach you? How do they talk to you? And another question alongside of that is, do they pay you for the service? Who, you know, how, how does that work? Okay, so Trinity Life Solutions offers member benefit review and planning for free. We are paid directly from the federal government. We don't care what carrier someone picks or doesn't pick. Our job is to educate and connect. That's what all of my licensed agents in the teams here, we work in New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, D.C., Wisconsin, and we will be adding Ohio and North Carolina this year. Oh, wow. So we're growing. Uh, Anyone who's interested in this kind of work, I'm always looking for boots on the ground, someone who wants to get their license. So we're happy to help that happen too. Um, When when someone is looking for us, they can find us on uh, online at www.trinitylifesolutionsllc.com. Okay. They can click contact us or they can click get started now. Either one is going to bring them to a fill in your name, address, and contact information so that we can reach out to them. And so if you're interested in any services or if you're thinking you might want this as a career path, we love to work with you. Part of our goal in building teams is to equip people with this because it's an option of making money that you can do part-time, sometime, anytime, full-time if you want, but wow. it's, it's up to you. Okay. Okay. Um, and to your point, yes, there is a time frame. People turning 65 have an initial coverage period wherein they are supposed to tell the government that they are, in fact, turning 65 and want to be Medicare eligible. There's a misunderstanding. There is a There are situations where people might be automatically enrolled into Medicare, but it's only one part. Everybody has to sign up for the second part. So... That happens three months before their 65th birthday, the month of, or three months after. So there's a seven-month period when people can be able to access the initial enrollment period and not be penalized. If you fall outside of that time frame, after your three months after your 65th birthday, you will be subject to a penalty. And we want to help you avoid that. So please give us a call. Yes, Um, yes. That's, yeah, am- that's, that's amazing. That That's amazing yeah. that they make it so difficult for somebody to get that information because the it, seniors it's, and the vulnerable pops, right? And it's, it's so crazy. costly too. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's so yeah. costly. Wow. <clears throat> so I will also add that information onto the podcast so that if somebody is watching this later on, they'll see it in the description so that they'll be able to find you. So at the end of my podcast, I really, I'd I'd like to ask my guests because of your life experiences and your journey through your career, what Mm -hmm. advice would you give somebody who might have a passion for something or would love to follow that passion, but something is holding them back? They're not quite, you know, they need that little extra push. You have moved and pivoted through your career. And and it sounds like you've also really reevaluated each turn because then the next turn you you sort of lined yourself up for the next opportunity and then you pivoted a little bit if you needed something and then you would go that direction. So 
how do you get somebody who who really wishes, you know, I wish I had done that or I wish I could do this, just go do it? What, what kind of advice would you give them? One of the biggest pieces of advice that I learned along the way that has stuck with me, I can't tell you who said it and I wish I could because it really has motivated me, is that the answer to the question, could it be or is it possible, will always be no if you don't try. Mm. If you don't put yourself out there, if you don't take the steps to just find out what's the path, if you don't show up for yourself and your dreams, the answer will always be no. <laughs> yeah. So show up. That's a, that's a so very show good. Up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Because a lot of times <clears throat> the what ifs or the, you know, that fear of taking that first step is what paralyzes somebody. Yes. And, and if they can just get past that one step and start the process, things start to fall into place and, and people start to come into your life that make those dreams come true. Absolutely. And I think it's Martin Luther King who is attributed um, to the quote, but you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. And that's really powerful. You don't have to know all the pieces or how they're going to fit together. You know, you bought a puzzle. There's lots of pieces. Right, know? right, so, right. And yeah. and really the fun of owning your own business or, or taking that step, that career change, after the fact, if you look back, it is the steps that you take that are the fun part of it. But you're so you're so afraid of not succeeding or not doing well that you sometimes just don't take that step. So so showing up that that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Uh, I really enjoy listening to your story and how you pivoted and uh, sorry you you weren't the next Jody Foster but that's okay that's right you can play yourself telling your story that there there's there a story go. there's a story for you well thank you so much for for taking some time today um, on this beautiful day in Buffalo uh, to to talk to us and and I think that if you're out there and you're listening to this, you know somebody who might be turning 65, who might be thinking about retiring, you know, kind of tossing it around, have a conversation with you first to just to get the information that you don't, you know, that you don't know. I, I've had family members who have recently had to go through that process. It's a lot. And you, you talked about how, you know, couples, sometimes they're not the same age. So one might retire first, generally speaking, and I don't know, maybe you, you can confirm this, but I think that most of the time it's generally the male who might um, retire first and the female is left out there without insurance because they might've been, they might've had their insurance with their spouse. They might still have a couple more years to go. The cost of going you know, to Obamacare and trying to get coverage could be costly. You really have to think through all of those pieces to make sure that that is a, the right fit and a good fit for you. So we so do, much. we have a, a program called the choices program, which is community health options for individuals navigating the elder care services and elder planning services. And that is uh, probably our most utilized service. It is for people who don't have a plan, who don't know the rules, who who learn what it is and then go, oh, my gosh, 
you know, they say that the best time to have shade from a tree is to have planted the tree 10 years before so that it's grown. It's yeah. that kind of situation with Medicare. We don't have people telling us in our careers about the day when we're no longer working. They don't talk to us about any of the safety nets that need to be put in place when we're younger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if anyone's turning 65, if anyone works in health industry and they're not sure if they have the right information, we would absolutely want to answer that. More importantly, people who work in HR and employer world, a lot of times the people have no direction when they're retiring. It's like, hey, thanks for your service. Here's your watch. Now it's here's your uh Tim Hortons card, and we'll see you later. (laughs) Yes. But people, please know we're out here at the resource. Please check us out. And we are looking for those legs on the ground, people who are looking to do this. You can have silver hair, white hair, yellow hair, brown hair. It doesn't matter. Young people, as we have people on staff that are 19 years old, we have people who have been in retirement 20 years and decided I want to come back and do something because they're, they're living somewhere and they... And and in assisted living, there are options. And so people do things like get their pilot's license or start a new job or whatever. They do things that um, help them to feel like their life is not done yet. Yeah. And and that's been the biggest boon for me because I'm not done yet. And I'll get to the age where society says, you know, slow down, (laughs) slow down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I hear you. And um, I agree on two things. One is if you're a company out there, and you have a older population of employees, and I would say anywhere from 50 above, you can have these conversations with your employers and have Giselle and her team come out and talk to you and talk to your employer or your employees and just just give them education, just give them information so that they can pursue it if they want to later on, but they may not know what they don't know. So it would be so much better if they were given some really good concrete information. So I will give that information out so that you can find the website and you can reach out to them, whether you're a um, person who is might need the service. If you're a company out there who could use them to come into your employer and have a presentation and educate some of your employees. And then if you are somebody out there who's looking for a change in career, looking, maybe you're just graduating and you're not sure what you want to do, or somebody who has retired and decided that's not for them and they want to get back in. <laughs> um, that There's many options here. So I think it would be really beneficial to, to reach out to Giselle and just have the conversation, have, have, the, have the initial conversation and you don't know what that will lead to. So, so Karen, thanks I again. I want to offer you one thing um, yeah. that, that you asked me and this has just popped into my head. I said, sure. you know, the, the answer will always be no if, to, to can I do it if we don't try, so show yeah. up. But here's another thing that, that just came into my head that's really important, I think. Goals are just dreams with a date and a timestamp that we set for ourselves. And one of the things that I've learned in building businesses either for someone else or for myself, is that when you set a goal, you can underperform it, you can hit it, and you can exceed it or overperform it. And once you do either of those things, you have learned something. Learn whether you want to do that kind of work. You learn whether it's actually for you or not. You learn, you know, what needs to happen in order to get to the point that you hoped you'd get to if you didn't get there. Or, What needs to happen if we're growing so fast and we're blowing all of our goals out? Like sometimes 
we do that. And no one says like dream bigger, right? Go bigger. Right, and, right. and so I just want to remind us that your dreams have a date and a time because you put them there. Any limitations you have are inside your mindset. So show up for yourself and do what needs to be done to see what if. Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. My husband's grandmother turned a hundred in February and, you know, she's healthy and she's got a sharp mind and they retired at 55. So, so she's been retired a very long time and and enjoying life. So I think we're going to see a lot more people reaching that hundred mark and, and beyond. So you really have to plan ahead. So, so thank you again. Thank you again for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that there are people like you doing the work that I imagined myself doing because it really is so important, especially if you've reached for your goal and you missed it. And now you think, oh, you know, you got failure there to have someone like you online and accessible, helping us to find how do people pivot? What, what does it look like? And all of, you know, the success stories that you bring on your podcast. I so appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, for doing that Well, work. thank you. Thank you. I, I think that everybody's story, everybody has a story. And sometimes people say, oh, you know, what would you ask? I don't even, you know, know you know, my story is kind of blah. It's not. Everybody has a great story. You just have to ask the right questions. And and I think that that's, that's where I'm trying to aim is, is to help those that are confused, not sure, have no idea, um, to listen to other people's stories because it's amazing what people are doing out there. And um, it, it's inspiration for, for all of us. So, so thank you. And thank, thank you, everyone. You. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, everyone, Have for listening. Day. You too, for listening to Sharp HR Career Corner. If you're looking to make a change in your job, but you aren't sure where to start, contact Sharp Human Resources. We would love to help you out. We can make the process a smooth transition for you. Go to Sharp Human Resources buffalo.com for more information. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, I encourage you to download the podcast, leave a comment and share with others you know. The more downloads and comments and likes that our podcast receives, the better our ratings and the easier we can be found. So thank you in advance. Until next time, be kind everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world and it starts with you and I. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.